0: Good morning, church family. morning. Morning, morning. Much love to each and every one of you. Welcome, glad to see you uh, here with us. Uh, Been looking forward to being together this morning. Uh, My name's Derek, I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, we'll get into uh, our time studying God's word together here in just a moment. Uh, You may hear some raspiness in my voice, I'm not sick. Anybody wanna guess why? It's basketball season, so I may or may not be a little too enthusiastic when my, uh, when my daughters are balling out on the court. So ten, for the next few weeks, I uh, you know might be a little deeper than usual. Uh, so as we get started this morning, I actually um, I want to I want to give an example of of communicating in a certain way. And you can have fun trying to keep up with the content of what I communicate, but really what I'm having you think about as I communicate in this unusual way is why would, would I communicate that way or why would someone, what would cause this kind of communication, okay? Uh, hey, I just wanted you to know my family just wrapped up three and a half weeks. It's one of the craziest parts of our year, three and a half weeks. Since That's three and a half weeks. That's I don't know how many days, but three and a half weeks. And in that period of time from April 28th to May 22nd we actually have four out of the six of us have a birthday, plus Mother's Day, plus it's baseball season, plus it's basketball season. And you see also, it started back on April 28th, that's my son Trevor's birthday. Trevor is 15 now, he's awesome. And then a few days later, it was May 9th, that was Mother's Day, we celebrated Mom, we took her out to dessert, we had a good day, it was awesome. And then a few days later, May 13th, also that's my son Chris's birthday, he's awesome, he plays baseball, that's also keeping us busy. celebrated him, and the very next day, May 14th, is my daughter Mia's birthday, so we celebrated that, and then we caught our breath, but really didn't really keep our catch our breath, we really just kept going at that point, because then the May 22nd came, and that's my wife Amy's birthday, that was yesterday, we celebrated her big time, because she's awesome, and then if you're keeping score at home, I already said this, but if you're keeping score at home, that's four out of the six of us having a birthday in the last three and a half weeks, plus Mother's Day, plus baseball season, plus basketball season, plus a horse voice, and also, by the way, uh, that's all I have to say. So, <laughs> the content is fun to share because we're a family, and you have a little insight into a, uh, you know, into the Olson family. There, the content is fun to share, but less uh, or a little more important than the uh, the content itself. Uh, I would just say, what would cause me to speak and run on sentences? I mean, what what did you observe there? What were maybe a couple things that contributed to me speaking and run on sentences? Okay, yeah, I'm in a hurry. Excited. Excited. Enthusiasm, basketball, what's. You're channeling Paul. <laughs> oh, today. Hey. You're, you're sneaking ahead, Margot. You're getting to the punchline. No, I'm just kidding. Good job. Yes, I'm channeling Paul. I mean, uh, I, I, I had lots to say. I was excited about it, right? I love my family. I had a lot to share. And sometimes I wonder if that's what's going on in Ephesians. Ephesians is a letter in our Bible written by the Apostle Paul, who was a church leader. Uh, 2,000 years ago, and God used Paul to put pen to paper and write this letter that we in our Bible call the book of Ephesians. And sometimes I wonder if that's what's going on in Ephesians. We're in a series of messages called Walk Worthy as we teach our way through this letter in the Bible called Ephesians. And Paul, the author of this letter, multiple times in this first three chapters, twice or three times, in this first three chapters of this letter, uh, uses run-on sentences. And I can't help but wonder if it was his excitement about the gospel good news that he was sharing. Uh, perhaps he was so excited that he could hardly contain himself. And we've, we've said a couple of times in, this, in recent weeks that these first three chapters are just stock full, chock full of rich theological truth about the good news of what Jesus has done for us or what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. So open your Bibles, if you would. Turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Whether you've got your Bible on your lap or a device and you use a Bible app, love you to follow along in your Bible if you can. Each Sunday as we keep our finger in the text, as we keep our finger in God's word so that we make sure we're hearing from him. Turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, and uh, we'll get started here in just a moment. As you turn there, I want to just quickly highlight wh- what some of this excitement was about. What were some of these truths of God that Paul was uh, run on sentencing about? Chapter 1, we, we, were, we see that we were chosen that God, before time, chose us to be part of God's family. We saw that we are adopted into his God's family. That one of the ways he rescues us, one of the results of God rescuing us, is that we are adopted into his family. That we are not born Christian, we are not born saved by God, but by God's grace, through his gift of salvation, through putting our trust in Jesus... We are adopted into God's family. We saw rich theological truth in chapters one and two about the fact that we are rescued, saved from sin and death, redeemed. Uh, We saw different ways that Paul was explaining, excuse me, that God's eternal plan is to bring all things together under Christ. And, And that should cause us to rejoice, right? We should read these words and be so thankful for what God is doing. And then we came to chapter two, and uh, help me with this. Chapter two, we learned the truth about ourselves. We were what? Dead. We were dead in our sin. Dead in transgression and sin, in rebellion against God. We were dead in our sin, and yet made what through Christ? Made alive. We were dead in our sin, made alive through Christ. The gospel is the good news that God rescues sinners like you and I through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Chapters 1 and 2 and 3 are full of this message that because of Jesus, because he lived the life that we cannot live, because he died the death that we deserve, and because he was raised again to new life, you and I can have new life too. The gospel good news that the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus makes it possible for us to have peace with God and peace with one another. So look with me if in your Bibles at Ephesians chapter 3 verse 1. Here's where we were last week. Pastor Ed taught us from this passage last week. Past, uh, chapter 3 verse 1. So having, having considered all those rich theological truths and told us so much about the good news of what God has done for us through Jesus, he comes to chapter 3. We studied this last Sunday, verse 1. Paul says, for this reason, for all these things that I just told you about, for all this excitement I have in rich theological truths, for this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of the Gentiles, and he interrupts himself, and he doesn't complete that sentence Because guess what? He's still excited, and he still has lots to say. And so Pastor Ed shared with us last Sunday that he he had more of God's plan to reveal. Uh, Paul had more to say. He had started this sentence, for that reason, I, and and we don't even know what he's going to do yet with that sentence, for that reason, I, but he interrupts himself because he thinks of more he wants to say about this good news of what God has done through Jesus. Are we excited about that? So he interrupted himself, and Pastor Ed explained last week that that good news that he kept going on about was, like you see in verse 6, that not only God's people, not only the Jews, God's people in the Old Testament have an opportunity to be rescued by God, but the good news of verse 6 is that all people, Jews, non-Jews, people of all types, all backgrounds, all races, all nationalities, all have a place in God's family because of Jesus, And then in verse 10, last week we see in that passage last week that that God has big plans for the church. That, That God has big plans for you and I, believers everywhere. That part of God revealing his purposes to the world is through the church He wants to use you, church family, followers of Jesus, he wants to use you individually and us collectively to be part of proclaiming God's redemptive work, what God is doing to rescue a people for himself. He wants us to be part of his purposes in proclaiming that to the world. So Paul interrupted himself to tell us that even more good stuff. You tracking with me? So now we come to this morning's passage. Ephesians chapter 3 at verse 14. For this reason, does that sound familiar? Back in verse 1, Paul said, for this reason, and then he interrupted himself and had more exciting things to tell us. And so now he gets back to his thought. In verse 14, he gets back to what he had meant to say a few verses ago, but got excited and told us about more work that God was doing. So chapter 3, verse 14, he says, for this reason... I bow my knees before the Father. Uh, Okay, we'll get to that in just a second. Bow my knees. Uh, One thing that happens when you translate the Bible literally from the original text, you might get some of these awkward phrases. I'm not in the custom of saying, I bow my knees. I think we more relate to, I bow my head to go to prayer, right? But I guess we can see what literally this means. What, what What is bow my knees another word for? Kneel, yeah. So, so Paul is saying, I kneel before the Father. I go to prayer. Um, that kind of cracked me up because I just don't see myself saying, Bow my knees. But okay, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. So, so Paul is, has been basking in the rich theological good news of the gospel for, for two chapters and now into the third chapter. And what does that do to him? What is, what is him reflecting on this good news? And what is passing this good news along to others uh, cause him to do? It drives him to pray. It drives him to pray for the people he's writing to. He's been telling them these amazing things about God and how salvation is available through Jesus Christ. And now all of this is stirred up in him of, of, the, of these amazing truths. And what does it cause him to do? It causes him to want to pray for the Ephesian Christians, for the Christians, followers of Jesus in this town called Ephesus, where he is writing this letter to. And God, through the Bible, writing to us today, I believe as well, Paul goes to pray for them. And what I wanna see here is, I don't know what your prayer life looks like, but I know sometimes my prayer life is a little boring, a little repetitive. Maybe some of the same things come to my mind. Maybe it tends to be a little too much about me and what I need, or maybe I just have a list for him of other things I know that are going on, and I pray for those, and that's good, and our Father in Heaven wants to hear that, but I think what we noticed this morning is that Paul is so pumped about the gospel good news of Jesus, he goes to prayer, and he goes to prayer praying big things for these people. What we're about to look at together is that, is that Paul goes to prayer praying big prayers, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. So who does, let's start there. Who does Paul turn to in prayer? It says, before the Father. Who does he turn to? Our loving, heavenly Father. The Bible gives us this image of God as heavenly Father, as loving Father. And, And what do we know about God from our study of the Bible? God it has existed from all time. There is no beginning, there is no end of God, and God from before the foundations of the world has existed in community. He Himself, God, one God, one God, yet three persons. Blows our minds, but for all time, we have one God who exists in three persons. God the Father exists in community Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And because God exists in community, because he's used to relationship and being in relationship with others, then God created you and I, humans. He created us in in his image. I'm making sure everybody's awake. Uh, He created us in his image, and because he is made for community, we are made for community. We are made to exist in community, in relationship with God and in relationship with other people. And so we see this, we're kind of reminded about this when we think about who we pray to. When Paul is excited about the gospel and begins to pray for these Christians, he turns to the Father. And the fact that we think of God as Father is is a gospel message to us in itself. Just our brains thinking, why do we refer to God as Father? Because through Christ, we are adopted into God's family. You're not a Christian because you're an American. You're not a Christian because your parents were Christians. You're not a Christian because that, that, that you go to church every week in Christ, trusting in Christ, receiving God's free gift of salvation by putting our trust in Christ, we, we are saved and adopted into God's family. And so when you become a follower of Jesus, you gain family. We're gathered here together as as a local church, as faith church, as a family, And, and we could use these expressions of brothers and sisters in Christ, gathered together to be a family. And some of you have experienced this, and some of you need to experience this, but churches, gatherings of Christians, can be family for those who don't experience that kind of family or support in other places, isn't that good news some of you have experienced that in the church and others of you need to as you give your life to Jesus and, and are adopted into God's family um, churches can be family for those who are hurting and in need uh, speaking of um, speaking of being family how was your week give me just give me some quick words phrases go ahead and answer me how was your week what busy. busy what else blessings. what's that blessings. okay blessings wonderful how was your week church family you could be honest too hard I see some smiles but I see some head shakings. combo it can be both sure life of course If you were asked right now, what would you want prayer for? What would you ask prayer for? If a, if a, if a fellow follower of Jesus said to you, hey, I'd like to pray for you what, would you, what would you share with them right now? For wisdom, okay. You know what? You know what? I, well, I appreciate the answers, but actually I'm going to encourage you. If you have someone near you, just turn to someone near you if you can and share one thing that you would you would ask prayer for right now take just a minute you can turn behind you a row in front of you a row next to you what's something that you would ask prayer for right now And then think for a second this, think this too. If you were asking others around you what you could pray for for them, what kinds of prayer requests do you often hear? Just, just think to yourself for a second. What are some examples of prayer requests you receive? What are some the kinds of things that if you are offering to pray for others, think to yourself for a minute, what are some of the examples of things that you receive as prayer requests? Okay, yeah, health and when we... When people are struggling or hospitalized or feeling sick, death of a loved one. I pray for people's salvation often. Awesome. Great. So I wanted, you to, I wanted us to be stirred up and be thinking about that as we, get, as we continue on in the passage. Because as we continue in the passage this morning, let's see what Paul prays for. In chapters 1 and 2... Paul told us these amazing things about how God's love is demonstrated for us through the fact that Jesus came to live and die and be raised again so that we can have life with God. And Paul was so pumped telling it. It seemed like he was so excited he was talking in run-on sentences. And it seemed like he was so excited telling it that he interrupts his own self in mid-thought so we can go back and tell the good news some more. And then when he's done doing that he says I'm going to I want to I go to the Father and he prays. And I want us to see the big prayers that he prays for these Christians. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory he would grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is... this is be, be, let me be careful and make sure you hear me. This is not to take away from your prayers for one another about daily needs and ongoing challenges. Those are important, and we do that as a family. We hear each other's prayer requests, and and we and we pray for those, and we go before the Father with our own daily needs and challenges. And that's good. And I guess what I'm saying this morning, though, is Let's keep praying for those things. May we continue to pray for our daily needs. May we continue to lift up in prayer those around us and all those requests that we just gave examples of. But also, perhaps we could follow Paul's example here and pray big prayers for each other. Big prayers for each other's spiritual growth. Big prayers for what God is showing us in his word he wants to do in a Christian's life. Maybe we could continue, maybe we could grow in that area and add to our, our usual prayers for others by praying these big prayers that Jesus would make himself at home in my life and in your life. That we would be able to grasp the ungraspable love of God. Would you pray that for me? Do I pray that for you, my church family? Do we pray for one another to be reminded that, that we're not beyond hope, that we're not so messed up God can't love us because nothing is beyond the transforming power of God through his spirit in your life? Do we pray those big prayers for each other? So let's take a closer look at those. What does Paul pray for? What does he pray for in verse 16? What does Paul pray for us? What's his example of praying big prayers in verse 16? That according to the riches of God's glory, God would grant you to, be, to appear like a Christian so you could live a life on cruise control, hoping that you could earn your way to heaven. Is that what he prayed? Oh good, you're awake. We got heads shaking and nose, that's good because I want you paying attention because we keep our finger in God's word, right? And make sure we hear from him. That's not what Paul prayed. What Paul prayed was that according to the, God's, the riches of God's glory, that God would grant you to be strengthened with power through the Spirit in your inner being so that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith. That out of the riches of God's glory, out of the riches of all this good news that we've been talking about in Ephesians, that out of all that God wants to do, This prayer is for you, fellow follower of Jesus, that you would be transformed, that you would be made new from the inside out, that the Holy Spirit would be so at work in your life that you'd be strengthened by the Spirit, and this this work would be obvious, that we'd be changed from the inside out, that we'd be becoming a new person, be given new heart, new mind, and new desires, and new attitudes. That's what his prayer is. And Paul prays that Christ would dwell in your heart's Through faith. Do you see that phrase there? Paul prays that God, that Christ would dwell in your hearts. Not that we would dwell at church an hour per week. Not that we would give Jesus bits of our life, just little pieces of our life, but not everything, because I want to keep control of that. And not that we would give Jesus little bits of life and only when convenient for us to, to be religious or to go to church or to be okay with God changing us. That's not what Paul prays. What Paul prays and what we should pray for each other, these big prayers of spiritual growth and God's transforming work in an individual Christian and in a church family is that Jesus would make himself at home in my life. Not just move in one time a long time ago, but settle in. We talked about this recently, settle in, remodel the place. And and just to be clear, from the time you become a follower of Jesus, remember we're not born into it, God offers salvation, a free gift of salvation through Christ. When we come to the end of ourselves, when we realize that we don't match up to God's holy standard, that left to myself, I'm a sinful disaster who goes against God and keeps making the same mistakes, when we come to the end of ourself and we say, I can't do this myself, God, I can't save myself, there's no way, I surrender to you when we submit our life to God, when we recognize that Jesus is the Son of God, the perfect and holy Son of God who lived the perfect life that you and I can't, he died the death we deserve and paid the penalty for our sin, when we say, I trust in him and what he's done, it's not about what I do, it's about what Jesus has already done on the cross. When we become a Christian, when we submit to that truth, when we put our life in the hands of our master Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God lives within us from that time. So I want to be clear that from the time you become a Christian, from the time that you've submitted your life to Jesus, God, God himself, by his Holy Spirit, comes to live within you. But it's as the Holy Spirit lives within us that he's settling in. He didn't just come to hang out and be like, okay with whatever. The Holy Spirit came to settle in to make himself the center of every area of our life, not just the little bits we're comfortable with him seeing. The Holy Spirit comes in and begins to settle in. He wants to be the center of everything in our life and and have something to do with everything we do and say. The Holy Spirit wants to remodel the place so that we, his dwelling, are all about what he's all about. Paul prays for the Ephesian Christians, and we can pray for one another. Are we praying these big prayers for one another? And you can pray this for yourself as a follower of Jesus. I want to take Paul's example today and pray big prayers for fellow Christians and for our church family. We can pray for one another that our faith would not just be about coming to know Jesus sometime once a long time ago, but that our faith would be continuing as a daily, ongoing increasingly dependent confidence that Jesus is everything we need, that God's grace is sufficient, that it's not just rescue back then from sin and death, a get out of hell free card from the time I became a Christian a week ago or 40 years ago, but that God actually wants to by his spirit to work in my life daily, ongoing, changing me from the inside out, remodeling the place. Do we pray for each other, that we would grow spiritually, that we would live like family with fellow Christians and that we would go out in a world that doesn't know Jesus and make a difference for Jesus by living out the ways of Jesus? Do we pray big prayers for each other that God's love would so impact us that it would overflow out of us so that we would share that love with the world around us, that we would be conduits of his love and that we'd be proclaimers by words of the fact that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Do we pray those kinds of prayers for each other? I mean, speaking of run-on sentences, if you want some more run-on sentences, join us tonight at 6 p.m. for Life Group Refresh. A bunch of you are already registered to enjoy pie and to say hi to each other. That was supposed to rhyme. And, and hear some run-on sentences from me, frankly, because Life Group Refresh is about It's about talking tonight together about what is our church family all about? What are Christians commanded to do? What do we as growing Christians wanna do? What does God wanna do through us? And so what does then God wanna do through us as a church family? And yeah, a piece of that is to say, okay, this is what we see God doing in our church. This is what churches are to be all about. So how might life groups be a little piece of that? How might our life groups, our participation in a life group be something that God wants to use for these purposes. So, if you are, uh, if you didn't register yet, I can't guarantee pie, but you could still come. But you could still come. You have heard me say um, from up here. You have heard me say, I'm sure. The gospel changes. The gospel changes everything. Jesus changes everything. Jesus is in the business of making all things new. That's what he does. Do you hear that? At the end of the Bible, we see that Jesus makes all things new. And between now and then, between now and that future coming of Jesus, Jesus is in the business of making all things new. When you become a follower of Jesus and the Holy Spirit moves into your life, he begins settling in and remodeling the place. I've heard, it said, I've heard this said, that if you are not ready or wanting change in your life, then you are not ready or wanting Jesus in your life. When the Holy Spirit is at work in someone's life, that person will be changed and will be changing Being transformed, being more and more like the Son of God, Jesus himself. When the Spirit moves in, he remodels the place, right? Have you experienced that? I have. I'm a completely different person than when I became a follower of Jesus. And he shows me an area of sin, and then he gives me the Spirit's power to overcome and have victory and have that be less powerful in my life. And then the Holy Spirit usually shows me another area of sin and begins to work on that. I've heard it put this way, too, that God loves you, church family. Have you heard God loves you? Okay. I've heard this said, though, too, that God loves you just the way you are. Have you heard that? And he does. God loves you just the way you are, just like you are, just in the mess you're in, just in the things you do well and the things you mess up. God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. That's good news, because I know what goes on in this heart and this mind, and I don't want God to leave me there. I want him to make me new, change me every day, reveal sin, give me, con- give me victory and power to conquer that sin. Submit more and more areas of my life to him. He loves you too much, church family, to do nothing about your sin. He loves you too much. He moves in and he remodels the place. He transforms us from the inside out. Is that our desire? So lean into it. Lean into it. God draws near to you as you draw near to him. What else does Paul pray for? Let's look at verse 17, maybe about halfway through verse 17. Back to the passage here. Hopefully you've still got your finger in Ephesians 3. What else does Paul pray for? Halfway through verse 17, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, would have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is incredible to think about this phrase. He prays for that we would have strength to comprehend, that that, that God would give us power to understand, that, 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 that God's work in our lives would allow us to begin to grasp, even though it's really ungraspable, even though God's love is such a vast, unmeasurable thing. Paul prays that we would have strength to comprehend, power to grasp, he prays that we would just even begin to appreciate all that is God's love for us. Because I mean, is it true? Sometimes we just are good with like, God loves me. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I mean, but where do we go with that? How much do we know about that? How much do we experience that? Do we have do we pray for ourselves and do we pray for fellow brothers and sisters in Christ that we would have strength? To comprehend the vast scale and reality of, of God's love. And notice this about those verses we just read. Notice this. That our grasp, our appreciation of God's incredible love for us is improved. Would we want our understanding to be improved? Let's see in the text. Keep your finger in the text. What, what improves our ability to, to grasp it? Notice the text shows us that our appreciation for God's incredible love is improved when we look at the gospel together with all the saints, with all our fellow believers. Does that sound like we should keep gathering as a church family and pointing one another to Jesus and being together? That when we gather with all the saints, that's one of the ways that God will help us to grasp his love. We don't understand. We, on our own, don't fathom all that is God's love. We we can't do it on our own. We need God's spirit to work in us, to know God more and more. And we need to be surrounded by the family of God. We've been adopted into the family of God. We have brothers and sisters, fellow followers of Jesus that can help us to know and understand God's love. So we should keep gathering. We should be committed to being in relationship with fellow Christians. We should be committed and, 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 and consistent in gathering together to worship him together. So that, what did those verses tell us? So that we can discover how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Jesus. Not just God loves me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm. but, but would we pray for each other to learn how wide is the love of Jesus. In Jesus, we have peace with God. His we have peace with God and peace with others. His, his, his love has made it possible for all people everywhere to come to know God through Jesus. That is a wide, accepting love. How wide is the love of Jesus? How long is the love of Jesus? In Jesus, we have God's permanent, long-lasting love. We have a love that doesn't go away, that in Christ you have been saved, and, you will be, and, you, and God will continue that work in your life. That is a love that is long and lasting. How wide and how long and how high. In Jesus, we discover how much God has for, in store for us. Earlier in Ephesians, it mentions that, that in, we are made alive with Christ and we are carried to the, to the Father. We, there's literally a high part of His love where we are lifted to heaven. How wide and how long and how high His love, how deep. In Jesus, no matter what we've done, no matter what we've done, no matter who we've been, no matter what goes on in here still sometimes, or the thoughts I have in here sometimes, no matter what we've done or do, we can be forgiven in Christ. We are loved that deeply, sacrificially. Would we pray for each other to know how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. In um, one moment, in preparing this message, I I loved the timing of this actually. It was really um, a rich part of my week in the midst of a couple of difficult weeks in preparing for this passage, and this passage being fresh on my mind and in beginning to study through it, God gave me the opportunity to pray this prayer for our elders, with our elder team. And I prayed it for the elders, but we also took the opportunity, as we prayed it for each other, we prayed it for you, church family. And, at, and in the recent days, that some of which were difficult, but yet, having this passage in my mind, because God had brought me to it to study in preparation for this morning, God also gave me the opportunity to pray this prayer for our staff team. And not only did I, we pray it for each other, did I pray it for them, but we took the opportunity to pray that it would be true, these big prayers for you, church family. And, um, and so I want to do that again now. I want to invite you to stand And as we close this morning, I want to pray this prayer for you, my church family, who I love, each and every one of you. So stand with me, if you would, and let's go to the Lord in prayer. I'd like to pray this together, and then we'll um, close with just a couple more thoughts, and I'd like you to read a scripture aloud, too, in a moment. Let's pray. Father in heaven, heavenly Father... For this reason, I bow my knees before you, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that according to the riches of your glory, Father, that you would strengthen these friends, my church family, both here and online. I pray that you would strengthen these friends with power through your Holy Spirit in their inner being, so that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith. And Father, I pray that the Faith Church family, being rooted and grounded in love, would have strength to comprehend, to begin to appreciate, to begin to grasp, together with their fellow believers, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that they may be filled with all the fullness of God. Father, I pray these big prayers for my church family, that we would be filled with all the fullness of God, that as we submit our lives to Jesus, that the Holy Spirit would continue to settle in to our our lives, remodeling the place, making us new from the inside out. We pray this in Jesus' name, Can everyone said, Amen. Amen. Hey, uh, I don't know, you know what you're experiencing as you think about some of those truths, and as you think about how much God loves you, and as you think about the amazing reality of what God has done for you through Christ, but I know sometimes these, can, these things can be hard to believe. Can I really be a home? Can I really be, a, am I really a suitable dwelling? for God? I know some of this can be hard to believe at times or to put our head around. Will I ever be, will you, will I ever be able to really appreciate how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ? I don't know, these are big questions. I, I might struggle with this. Sometimes I know these things are hard to believe. Are, there, are, there, are these aspects of our spiritual growth even possible? I, I know my heart and head I know my failures, and you might be saying the same, and so we might ask, are are these aspects of our spiritual life being changed from the inside out, becoming more and more like Christ, is that even possible? They are when you consider the power of the God we pray to. Do you hear that? Sometimes I ask myself those tough questions, can you do this in my life, Lord? Am I a suitable dwelling? It is possible when you know the power of the God we pray to. And so I'm going to read you the last two verses of chapter 3. And then I'm going to read it to you. And then I'm going to invite us to read it together. This is the way chapter 3 ends. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him. Be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Church family, read this aloud with me, and then we'll worship him together. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church